think of um, from the experience side. Think of what if you charged admission to walk into your place of stop? No matter what you are, you probably don't. But what if you did? There'd be some expectations there. Mm. So think of um, unique, compelling ways, scripted, um, genuine, not fake, but scripted ways that you can exceed people's expectations. And there's a, almost a thousand moments, interaction moments, that you could script something that are one of those wow moments that are different. So if you think you're just because you provide goods and services, that's enough today, I think you're going to be behind the eight ball if you think that's enough. It's going to take some unique caring and some unique scripted experiences that blow people away. And that's just part of kind of what we do, whether it's the way you enter a, the store and the smell or your, your office to uh, the way you're interacted with. What's up, everybody? Welcome to a brand new edition of the None of Your Business podcast, super special edition. We had to modify out the set because we had to boot off Lacey, so Lacey had to go <laughs> away because we have two guests today. Um, I think this might be the first time ever that we've had two guests. Is that the first time? All right. All right. First time with two guests. We have the Arbuckle generations here. We have Kim Arbuckle. And we have Kurt Arbuckle with us. We're super excited to be sharing with them because um, obviously through experience, through transfer of knowledge and wisdom, there's so, so much to be shared here in this episode. So I'm going to start off with where we always start off with each and every episode. And I'm going to send this first question to Kim, which is, how do we end up here? And the reason why I ask you that is because all of our guests come from a diverse background um, of all kinds of things. And all of our guests are wildly successful in whatever it is that they do. It is easy for a viewer or a listener to be like, yeah, well, great. That's because your dad was Warren Buffett or you were born super rich. You have all of the advantages that I don't have. But what we end up learning is that our guests actually have stories that are very similar to all of our stories. And so I'd like to start with that. Like how how does this whole story begin for the two of you? How do you end up where you are in business? Well, first of all, thank you for having us, sincerely, Junior and I. Um, I don't know. I think um, since I grew up, it's all about experience. And uh, I oversaw the Americas for a small speaker company called Bose Corporation for a while, who taught me a lot about business, but taught me about the art and the experience of being different and the ability to differentiate yourself. And so that's what we've all about. And when I heard about you and Lacey, what you do intrigued me, certainly. Um, thinking, can you teach an old dog new tricks? And the answer is absolutely, because you've taught me a lot about um, different aspects of business and the way you treat people. But I've been lucky enough to have my son um, involved with business yeah. since, uh, I don't know, probably 15 years when he was in the Kelly School of Business uh, at IU. I said, uh, you better find a job right out of college because you're not going to work for, for me. And I think you worked to work for the banking industry for a while. Mm -hmm. And then I was lucky enough to bring my son into the business. And it's been a, a unique ride since then, for sure. 
Pose was your first job? Wasn't my first. What was um, your first job? Sheesh. I, it was uh, what's now called Duke Energy in the uh, energy business. So that's what I did for the first 14 years of my life. What were you doing with them? I was, uh, uh, when I left, I was the head. There was two divisions in our company, and I was the head of sales for one of the divisions. Okay, so you started to cut your teeth on sales. Absolutely. Then do you go from Duke to Bose? I went uh, from there to a, a bit of an um, entrepreneurial spot in a home building. The toughest three years of my life. I knew that that wasn't what I wanted to do. But I was selling president. homes? I was or? president of a construction company. All the way from selling to the um, actually running projects and things of that nature. Why was that the toughest? Oh, my goodness. I'm telling you, that was back in the uh, mid-90s. Okay. Um, I learned... Uh, Learned about expectations of people and how important it was to truly understand what expectations are and to be able to, to deliver. And if you didn't understand what their expectations were and you thought you knew, you're likely wrong. Um, so uh, I learned a lot and cut my teeth about understanding expectations at that point. Then? Let's uh, see. And then I went to uh, work for a uh, startup company, a gentleman out of Iceland. Um, Thor Daniel Hjaltason was his name. And it was a uh, signage product, actually. That was a wild ride for about a year and a half. I can tell you that. Um, and then from there, I went to work um, for a uh, a buddy of mine that I grew up with. And he oversaw a very large company. He was becoming a, the president of a family business. And he said, hey, I'm going to become the president. And I want you to come in and do what I did. And so we did that for a year and a half. And I developed some kind of unique processes. And through that, Bose found me and said, would you be interested in working for us? So that's how I got to Bose Corporation. What did you learn from Duke Energy to Bose? Well, a ton of things because I grew up pretty fast during those eras. I think I, I understood people. Uh, I understood how to treat people. Uh, certainly during that process, some of the best lessons you have are um, the, the way you've been treated in a positive way. And then mm. from your managers or those people around you, when you're not treated how you hoped it would be, and you learn from those as equal as you do the good things that happen. Um, so I, I think through that, I became a good people person and a way to motivate people and care, truly care about people. That's always been important to our family, I think. And then are you still at Bose? I am not. So, uh, what, so what happens after Bose? What ha uh, happens after Bose, since I uh, led a division for the Americas for them uh, for uh, audio, uh, I started an audio-video integration company commercial side, not residential. So today we're in 32 countries. Um, we've done business in globally 32 countries in all 50 states. And so it's national account business. So if, if you go into a LA Fitness or you go into a Hooters or an Abercrombie & Fitch, Hollister, those kinds of global brands, likely we've done the audio and the video in those stores. And that's where Kurt comes in. That's where, That's Kurt, where came Kurt came in. Came Absolutely. In. Some right. like uh, 14 years or so ago. Probably. 14 years ago. Yeah. So you go to Kelly School of Business at Indiana University and you work at a bank for a little while. Afterwards, uh, yes. I uh, worked at Purdue Federal Credit Union for a little bit. Went to IU and then worked at Purdue Federal <laughs> Credit Union. I lived in West okay. Lafayette. All right. <laughs> yes, that's true. Um, but before that, I kind of consider my first job is that we did a Dip and Dots franchise mm, yeah. up at the Lafayette um, Square Mall. And that's where uh, that's where I learned. I don't want to say I learned more during that than business school, but I might have learned more doing that than business school. Was that, that was like a, was that actually like a, a brick and mortar dip and We dots? had a, a like, kiosk right in the center a of the mall. Yep. What did you What did you learn? How long by did we have that? that? Five. Oh, we had a, a number of years. Um, but yeah, I I wanted the kids to understand the art of business, dealing with people, 
the good and the bad, um, how to exchange money, um, yeah. all those kinds Simple of things. Simple accounting, yeah. inventory, the boring stuff, but then more importantly, the customer interaction, mm -hmm. no doubt. Um, and uh, Dippin' Dots comes with some expectations and typically comes with a lot of joy. Uh, so, <laughs> yes. But it also comes with a higher price tag. So as a young kid having to um, deal with adults, wondering why they're paying $6 for a cup of ice cream, that was very valuable. And then from the hard worker side, um, hard working side is going to events and setting up shop and working and selling and finding out what it really feels like to be an entrepreneur. So after, after the bank, you go on to work um, with your father. Right. Um, what, what role do you play in, the, in that business at that time? At that time, so, um, you know, we wore a lot of hats. It was really just three of us to start. But we first started, our first customer was Abercrombie & Fitch doing their international growth. 800-pound gorilla. First customer. 800-pound gorilla in the audio business from retail standpoint. Yeah. Absolutely. So um, managing that started in London in the U.K. and quickly spread throughout Europe and throughout right. Asia. So I was the one traveling and um, meeting our partners, meeting and um, starting the relationships with our global partners, and then making sure that our partners were meeting the expectations <coughs> of our customer and putting that through from start to um, opening. I actually, for maybe five years straight, attended on the road 95% of every Abercrombie and Fitch or Hollister store that opened around the world. And with that came um, high expectations of dealing with um, CEO of Abercrombie and oh, C-level people. All the time. Um, and I was very young. I was early 20s. Wow. And I can, there are a lot of moments where I grew up pretty quick. The Abercrombie and Fitch way is very specific. Um, what they wear, how they act. And when you are working with a 80-year-old man in Germany who's owned an audio video company for 60 years, and I'm a 23-year-old kid in flip-flops telling him how we have to handle this, uh, I learned a lot pretty quick. It was fantastic. Do they all look like Abercrombie and Fitch models? The, in, the, in the store? Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, you know, our, guys, <laughs> our guys, no. No, no not our guys, no. So that's a, a, a steep learning curve. You, you learn that. What, how has your role in that company developed since Abercrombie? Yeah, so we learned pretty quick that if we, had, if we could build an international network of technicians, then we knew that we could take the Bose model in the United States of having a technician everywhere we knew that we could go grab those national accounts. And so my primary role was not only developing the expectations of our um, technicians around the world, but developing our processes leading up into service. Uh, anybody can install a store, and what separates us is um, we will install and service it for life. And so building that service department was a very crucial role. Um, so that led me into uh, all kinds of roles from project management, sales, and then overseeing service, I think, is probably the most important thing that I did. One of the things that is interesting, so you have audio-visual, and I'm not sure how you incorporate this, but you guys also do sense. Mm -hmm. We do. Is uh, that under the same umbrella? Well, that's a good point. That's a sister company. When you see uh, opportunities, you take advantage of that. So if you're uh, an experienced company, which what we are, um, we know retail, restaurant, hotels, fitness centers, those, all those vertical markets, they're going to have audio and they're going to have to have music. And so music is not something that's free. Um, at ASCAP, BMI, and CSAC, they require um, that they get paid um, for all their work. So uh, we provide music content. We uh, provide digital, digital signage. And we also provide scent. And that's a unique aspect of, of if you've ever been into Ritz-Carlton, and that's kind of how our relationship from the scent side started, Sean, um, is that uh, you know it can be a powerful driver 
a lot of us remember one of my first scent recollections is um, is a cherry tobacco that my grandfather a pipe that he smoked. Mm. So we all have those senses that are very powerful. If you can create that, um, it's just part of the overall experience. Um, experience, brand recognition. Yep. Actually, just the other day, uh, we were in Dad's office and he opened a box that had a watch from his dad. Oh, that's my cr- grandpa. Yeah, that's crazy. And he could smell my grandpa. I haven't opened that for ten years, and it was a, a watch. And immediately, it had a leather band, and I just looked at it. I, I hadn't seen it for ten years. And I smell that band. It's the craziest thing. I go, smell this. He goes, smells like grandpa. It's my dad. That's what it does. It's just amazing what smell and sense can do. And yeah, that's funny you brought that up. That just happened a couple days ago. So the sister company, another vertical, the audio component, not not the equipment, but now the actual, the music. Yep. And the sense. Um, Tell me first about the music. The music is like, curated like what what a lot of business owners think is and and this is always an interesting discussion it's like well i use spotify or i use pandora Pandora. um and that's not that's not correct it's not not correct legal technically legal technically if you get away with i mean there's commercial that you pay for but if you're trying to do it off your iphone or something just hope you don't get caught and chances are you probably won't but the large corporations are not going to take that chance because if they get caught it's going to cost them a lot of money so then they're listening to curated music. Is it curated for demographics or by music genre, or how does that work? Yes. It's, it, it's what is the experience that you're wanting um, and your brand is in your office or your, your business establishment. So it's a lot of listening skills, asking questions. Mm-hmm. And um, so it's important for us to, to understand our customer's customer. So if we understand our customer's customer, we can bring that value to you as our, as our customer. we got to listen. What's the vibe you're wanting, uh, whether it's Sinatra music, depending, or whether it's hip-hop. I mean, it's a whole range of whatever that is. So we've got people uh, that we represent from a, a dealership standpoint that, that know that business and can, and can work that. And the client can introduce their own messaging into Absolutely. what the people are listening to. And so this sounds ridiculously expensive because you had mentioned well if you're a big corporation you're going to be cognizant of that um is it something that would be affordable for our average listener somebody that's a um small business service maybe a dentist office Mm -hmm. is this something that they should be or could be looking at oh absolutely i'm gonna let kurt respond to that but i can remember when we first got involved in this business some of these people were paying let's say 800 stores around the country were paying 120 dollars a month per store it's a different world now. Mm. So I'm saying probably likely $20 a month, yeah. 20, 20 to 30, depending on what you want, is all it would be yeah. for and you get the peace of mind. music. You get yep. the peace of mind that you're compliant and doing it right. Um, so then tell me about the sense. So what are you just like? Is I guess, you know, I get my car washed, they run the car through, and the lady always says at the end, like, hey, do you want some air freshener? So is that what it is? Like it's pine, cherry, Orange. So, how does leather. this uh, <laughs> leather? We could new car smell. Your mind with the number of scents that are available, mm-hmm. and, and actually almost confuse you. So, as you and Lacey did uh, for your uh, Black Diamond Club, you you scent, you, you smell some, and see this is us. This is a this is the brand that I want um, represented when people walk into my store, or my office, or my establishment. So, um, from that, we develop a, a monthly um, program. 
and it's very reasonable, actually. The same more or less price point. What does that look like? A little bit more. Yeah, you can a little bit more. Uh, on average, one hundred nineteen a month. One hundred nineteen, and that is a commercial product. Yeah, that's important. So, yeah, like, right. is it? Because what? Here's what the next thing people think is like. You know, you have a little diffuser, and it's. That's not what you're no, talking about. That's not what it is. There's a, a range of devices depending on the application, everything from something small to plug in to something that's going to go into the HPAC system. Um, we have a cigar bar that is a huge piece to that puzzle, is a scent that helps eat the smoke smell. So if you go to a casino, there's scent in the casino. Even if you don't smell it, it's playing a purpose. Oh, it's like the counter. It's like white noise yep. to eliminate. Right. So you can have a scent yep. that will eliminate the... Cigars, Done correctly, it's cigarette. not just like lipstick on a pig. It's not masking a smell with smell. Um, there are there are scents that actually break down the tobacco molecules. Mm. Um, some people aren't aware of that. Smart people are aware of that. Mm. Uh, but then there's you know locations where you don't need to, to get rid of the tobacco, but it's just a, a a smell that smells embracing and and it smells good. One of First the things, thing you notice no, normally when you walk into an establishment. Yes. Well, that was right that was Ritz what I was going to say. For, for one thing, and we have a story behind the Ritz Carlton, obviously. In this. Well, I was going to say too for for clients of mine that have engaged in the scent, who do surveys with their clients, focus groups, client satisfaction. The number one thing, literally, the number one thing that they talk about is the scent, which. On one hand, you could be like, that's great. That's, you know, I'm happy about that. On the other hand, a lot of people wish that they would say the number one thing is the service that I provide. Mm -hmm. But what they most notice and take note of is the scent. Um, and yeah, part of that too is branding. It's Carlton, um, Abercrombie and Fitch has a very Absolutely distinctive scent. And they utilize that. In fact, they Abercrombie and Fitch does it very aggressively. It's it, you can smell the yes. the store coming yep. right as you're walking in 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 the mall. Are they, is that is that was, they double dose it? They not only have scent through the HVAC through spray. units, but their people on all the clothes, not on yeah. individuals' clothes, but the oh, clothes yeah. in the racks. Yeah, same. Yeah. That's awesome. If somebody was was interested in connecting with you guys relative to the music or the scent. Um, how do they go about doing that? The easiest way would be our website, oneglobalds.com. The number one global, D as in digital signage, digital scent, ds.com, slash BDC. And then that's where we've got our scent programs, our radio program, but also just a, a Calendly to set up a discussion to, to be with us. We you know, are very experience-based and relationship-based, and so we care. And this can be a very subjective conversation but we like to think that we become experts in it to cater to the customers customer to our customers customer and you know we've been agnostic to we've installed systems all around the world and so we were agnostic for a very long time on what content provider we would use or what scent provider we would use and our partners now are our partners because they're unique and world-class and for instance if you were going to it's at least what $3,500, $5,000 if you want to play your own music in a commercial setting. Probably. With our partner, we have that capability to curate your own playlist within that $20 to $30 price range. Mm. That and then our relationship with our scent partners is we are only one of two companies in the world that can sell what we sell. And so wow. we set ourselves apart from a world-class standpoint. And, um, yeah, as much as that info is important, us connecting and helping you understand what you need is just as important as well. 
Yeah, controlling what your clients are hearing, putting your messaging in there, controlling what they're selling, absolutely critical. Uh, agreed. Think of, um, from the experience side, think of what if you charged admission to walk into your place of establishment? No matter what you are, you probably don't. But what if you did? There'd be some expectations there. Mm. So think of um, unique, compelling ways, scripted, um, genuine, not fake, but scripted ways that you can exceed people's expectations. And there's a, almost a thousand moments, interaction moments, that you could script something that are one of those wow moments that are different. So if you think you're just because you provide goods and services, that's enough today, I think you're going to be behind the eight ball if you think that's enough. It's going to take some unique caring and some unique scripted experiences that blow people away. And that's just part of kind of what we do, whether it's the way you enter a the store and the smell or your, your office to uh, the way you're interacted with. So obviously, too, you mentioned earlier you have a cigar bar, you have the entrepreneurial bug, but you're involved in a lot of other things. What are, what are So we have the core, the AV, the sister company, the music and the scent, and then all of a sudden we start getting all this spillover. Yeah. What, are, what are the other... Other ventures that uh, you are involved in that excite you? Well, I'd be uh, remiss if um, Blend, Blend Bar, uh, Blend Cigar Bar, we have four of those locations, uh, partnering with two other um, people. One's in Na- one stores in Nashville, one's in Houston, the Woodlands, one's in Pittsburgh, one is here in Indianapolis. Um, and I think 17, we were voted the best cigar lounge in the world. And that's because of the experience and the service. A lot of places have cigars. A lot of people have, have uh, alcohol, but it's the way you couple all of those to a, an experience. Mm-hmm. Um, you're very familiar with the restaurant, Prime 47 um, Steakhouse here in, in Carmel. I'm just a small piece of that. There's some great ownerships and led by um, Jeremiah, who's a managing partner and kind of the brains and the operations about great people, great service, great manager. That's what makes Prime unique. I'm just kind of like the idea guy. Uh, I'll shift ship some um, ideas to Jeremiah. Go, what if we do this? And he may throw them out, or you may go, okay, that's a pretty good idea. Um, so you, you've got steakhouse, you've got cigar lounges. I've got a small trucking business. Trucking's kind of a good thing to be in these days. Um, even with um, an excursion company where you buy a couple 10-seater um, Mercedes Sprinters and rent them out, that's another small little business that couples in with the, the steakhouse. Um, sheesh, we've um, got a weapons detection business for large venues that could be life-changing and those are some of the things that that you and david Meltzer have talked about as things that you can really do that change people's lives so if you can protect protect people at large venues or schools from the bizarreness that's going on in this world today then maybe you've added something special to society and then recently with the uh and that you very well know of the uh the robotics business uh, arbuckle pringle robotics which is an interesting aspect of that's brand new. We're just uh, venturing into that world. And that's an interesting space. So the the robots, um, I've always thought that that's, it's a great idea, slightly controversial. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the only way it's controversial, though, is because, look, we're entering into this automated world. We talk about there's this line, this automation line. And the idea in business is we always have to be above the automation line. The automation line is creeping up, though, because every day... Um, technology becomes more and more able to do the things that we as humans used to, one, be able to do and be paid for that activity. 
And so obviously from a, an efficiency and a financial standpoint for companies, you know, all the way back from, you know, the assembly line and automating the assembly line with robots, taking a lot of humans off of the assembly line, one would argue that also making it more effective, more efficient, and more accurate, right. potentially in that case more safe, less exactly. mistakes, et cetera. But then there's that flip side of like, well, but then we're, we're taking jobs away. Um, we also have the bizarro argument that sometimes has been launched by people in the government of, well, then learn a new skill, whether <laughs> you know it's not substituting um, a robot, but maybe um, changes in you know mining or things like that. And, and, and how do you guys reconcile that? Let's start with that just principally as a, as, you know, as a, as a 30,000 foot view. Um, what are your thoughts on like where the technology is going and what it means to society? Good or bad, indifferent? What, what are your thoughts on that? You're yeah. a 37 year old here. Yeah. Um, so we're an experience company, right? So, so our job and our passion is to help the customer experience be as good as it can be. And so this isn't meant to take, okay, let's take the food delivery, for example. Okay. Yes. Our robots can fully deliver food to a table autonomously. Everything can be done where the customer knows what to grab. But right now, especially in today, uh, labor is very hard. Labor shortage yeah. is no joke. And so instead of thinking of the robot replacing a waitress, think of the robot constantly delivering waters to table and able to, a waitress calls the button, calls the robot over, puts the dishes and everything on the robot, and now the robot takes it back. And now your waitress is focusing on you as a customer, making sure your experience is right, upselling you on food, drinks, desserts. Now the experience is better and you spent more money. That's the thought process. And we're finding yeah. out servers are going, bring it. Bring it on. We love it. I thought at first they'd be like, no, stay away. I th they're embracing it. Right. Love it. I love it. So tell us about these robots. Um, what are they? What do they do? How do we begin to integrate them into our world? Um, for our users or for our listeners and viewers, um, they want one. How much are they? Are they two million dollars? Like, what tell us? This is all brand new. We'll certainly, sell you um, and <laughs> and we're and we're in. It's, it's interesting format. We're in a video, but also audio format. Um, and so people are like, yeah. Do you mean like they're like mechanical human beings? What 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 is what is the robot? Yeah, uh, think of them with the base of a Roomba that everyone's familiar with. Yep. And then think of a three and a half, four foot tall, R two D two closer looking kind of thing. Okay. Um, but they are fully autonomous and fully capable of this isn't a all of this comes back to Pringle Robotics, which mm -hmm. is who is our partner and uh, Sudhir Saja, who is the visionary and genius behind it all. He's and, a genius. He is. And so these are fully autonomous robots that are 100 percent safe to be around people. They are smarter than you realize. They're not a Roomba that's bumping around and trying to make its way. They are smart with LiDAR technology. They know exactly where they are. Um, and the software in the back end, think of it as the robots are a physical robot, but the brains behind it, think of it as an iOS system. So you've got an iOS system that has hundreds, if thousands of apps, which means applications to integrate with thing, software like Epic, uh, maybe the biggest software in hospitals and healthcare, fully integration. So um, working with nurses to automatically have medicine delivered at the proper time. And then also from a cleaning and disinfecting world. That's a world that already exists. And now um, we have taken a 
world of trying to create a robot to help, and now we have the fully autonomous, prepared, and um, already deployed solutions to not only have massive ROI on uh, labor and cleaning products, but something that's smart enough to fully integrate into processes. This isn't something that you press play and hope it does something. This is an integral part of the business. This is part of the process. It integrates with software, integrates with elevators, um, fully autonomous, and it has all kinds of applications from food delivery to cleaning to industrial delivery um, to Revenue generating, that's cool stuff. Revenue generating with marketing. That that will be the most popular when shopping malls and airports around the world. Um, imagine walking through and a robot knows that you are a 50-year-old man and you have... Um, you looked at Sean when you said 50-year-old man. I, like, I am a 50-year-old man. <laughs> yeah, I didn't, want to, say, right I didn't want to say 70 and look at you. <laughs> um, and it knows, and so now it's going to direct that marketing towards you and push you towards something. So um, the applications are pretty endless. It's uh, it, This is very new. Um, but it is a, a product that's not new to the world. There are 7,000 of them already sold in Asia, and that's a culture that embraces that technology and wants that technology. And so as we bring that over to the United States, um, we are learning where we can add value, save money, ROI, and certainly change the customer experience. One of the things I, I love the use case um, is, for example, in uh, hotels. Yeah. So utilizing room service... Yeah. I can order room service, so I still, I mean, I may not actually need to talk to a human, but in most cases, I'd probably pick up the phone and talk to someone who'd take my order, mm-hmm. and a human would make my food, but then once it was created, they could put the food into um, a robot, and it has a lock box, so now it's locked. Right. Um, the robot then can transit to my room, and then I could get, because uh, it won't knock my door, but I would get a phone call. Um, or text message or text message to my cell phone and it would say the robots outside your door mm-hmm. or your food is outside your door and the code is one two three four and I would open my door and there would be a keypad and I would type on the robot my code which would unlock Correct. the door so that I could access my food and what that does is somebody else didn't steal my food the robot just brought it to me I mean and and that then allows the hotel to be more efficient, absolutely service more people, provide that experience and get that food delivered. Um, that's an incredible use case. It could be done this way in anything where there's service, especially that's done at a distance. Mm-hmm. You're at a, at a VIP suite in a stadium. And so the food preparation is far from the suite. So they can just send that without somebody trying to navigate and, and work through, which then is my next question. Like, so if the robot's in a crowded field, you said it's not like a Roomba where it's bouncing. Like, how does it navigate a, a bunch of people? The LiDAR technology and the software behind it is fully aware of its surroundings at all times. Um, it's autonomous in the sense that it knows where to go and it can do specific tasks, but it takes it to the next level of it always knows its surroundings. And uh, the Bella bot, which is the food delivery bot, is actually voice interactive. Um, it's, uh, it's like a kitten. And if, actually, if you pet the top of its head, it'll purr and act like a cat. But it's actually very polite. So it, it'll stop, it'll slow down, say, excuse me, and it will interact via voice if it's trying to get through, just like a polite person walking around. Another use case is disinfecting. So environments where we want to maintain, I'm not talking about cleaning, like cleaning the floor, but disinfecting the space. Well, the cleaning, the floor cleaning robot is coming in Q3 or Q4. Floor cleaning robot is coming. It will be there, but yes. So now that is a fancy Roomba. (laughs) Disinfecting, how does that work? What is, how how is it going around and disinfecting? 
So it disinfects the air and surfaces in two ways, um, with UV light, which is a practice performed in surgical rooms all across the country already. And so instead of somebody going in and waving a UV light around, hoping to get the surfaces, this is an autonomous planned robot that goes in in the correct spots to make sure it gets the entire room from an air disinfectant and then a UV light. So all surfaces are hit and gets 99.9% of disinfectant done. So that's super useful as well. Um, so what's the price point? Is this something like you have to be, are we talking about giant hospitals or again, for our viewers, our listeners, is this something that it would be for them or are we a little ways away before it becomes practical and like a single or double robot use? Do I, do I need to order a hundred at a time? How does that work? No, like a wise man once said, I think the price is the best part. The Keddy bot starts at 9,500 MSRP. And the most expensive is that disinfectant UV light hospital of 48500 So um, there are lease options, which obviously makes it a lot more attractive to get into an OPEX budget as opposed to a CAPEX. Um, so it's extremely reasonable, especially when you, if you go with the marketing side, and uh, a big focus is to generate revenue as well, and it offsets that very quickly. How heavy are they? Uh, anywhere from 60 to 100 pounds. So I could take this with me if I was doing... An outside exhibition. Let's say I was going to, like, I was an exhibitor at a show. I could have these robots going around my booth and oh, displaying absolutely. my we, material. We were at the National Restaurant Association and had them running around as well. Uh, we were in a convention room for some reason the past couple of days and had them running around as well. Um, but absolutely, they are fully uh, remotely serviceable as well. So we can have a customer say, hey, we added a new POS station to pick up food or drinks. We don't need to go there, reprogram. We can do all that remotely because we have full access to not only service, but to help integrate more into your process as we learn. Um, and so, no, restaurants, small restaurants um, are crucial. It integrates with DoorDash um, as you have orders come in and come out, um, integrating with POS. Once you have that integration element, it feels endless on the capabilities. Mm -hmm. And so it really can be super catered to any process or customer, big or small. Love it. And where can people learn about the robot? Arbuckleroboticscom Arbuckleroboticscom In the sense? That oneglobalds.com slash BDC. Lastly, to wrap up here, um, what do you think is in your, and we have two varied time frames, but in your time in business, um, the biggest lesson that you have learned that you want to share um, with the viewers and listeners today Biggest piece of advice you'd give to somebody in business? Uh, be a good listener. Care about people. Um, uh, there's a saying that um, I guess once you've established credibility, people don't care how much you know. They want to know how much you care. And I hope innately you can do that genuinely because um, I think people can sense if you're not sincere. Care about other people. Things take care of themselves. Listen. Awesome. And for yeah. you? Uh, I say this constantly, so I'm not saying this because you're here. Number one, join BDC. <laughs> um, number two, follow Dave Meltzer on social media. Read his books. And, yeah, it's about making a lot of money and doing that so that you can change a lot of lives. Um, <coughs> some people feel guilty on being successful, um, but our goal is to be successful so that we can change lives. It's about people. It's about relationships. And we don't have a lot of time here, so doing it together and being happy is important. 
I love it. I love it. Well, I know that you guys have enriched a ton of people in this time together, made a massive impact in 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 their lives. Um, I'm really encouraging you to reach out um, to this phenomenal father son family run business and duo. Um, as Kim was sharing, you know, to be uh, to listen and to care and to think about experience. I think that if you do reach out to them. You will see firsthand how these two gentlemen are walking examples of what they're talking uh, to us about today. Uh, thank you guys so much for being on the podcast. Thank you, thank you Sean. Super really appreciate you. Sorry, thank you, James, over there, genius. Off James, our producer, off camera there. Thank you guys for watching each and every week. We super appreciate you. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for your reviews. We are very deeply appreciative for all that you bring into our lives, even though um, you may think that you're only on the other side of your headset or your screen. Um, we know you're there, and we value our relationship with you. We're going to be back again next week, just as we always do, with some brand new phenomenal guests. I don't know if we'll have two. We've got a hard act to follow here, um, but we'll definitely have one. Um, and if we have one, we'll bring Lacey back, I promise. So don't miss out next week. Until then, thank you for tuning in to this most recent edition of your None, None of Your Business podcast. We'll see you next week.